Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone, close your eyes for a moment. Every eye closed just for a moment. Now, with your eyes closed, I want you to think about why you just closed your eyes. Some of you did it to be polite. Some of you did it just because I asked you to. Some of you still have your eyes open, probably. But, see, what we do is we give ourselves an opportunity to obey. And when the Lord speaks, when the Lord asks us to do something, sometimes he's testing, do you, will you obey? Will you listen to what I'm asking you to do? Now, I'd like you to pray just for a moment, not because I want you to or because I asked you to, but I, I believe the Lord's presence is here, and he's going to do some mighty things today. Can we pray and just invite the Lord to have his way? Jesus, Father, you are good to us. Father, you are great to us. You are wonderful to us, Jesus. You are so good to me. Lord, you're worthy of all praise. You're worthy of all praise, Father. I exalt you, Jesus. I praise your name today, Jesus. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. I felt this as I was just standing over there, the... I feel the need to tell the city of Union Gap to watch out and be ready because the church of the Lord is on the move. Now, that's not, that's not based on anything I see or hear or feel in, in this room other than a group of people waiting on the Lord. Allowing the Lord to have his way. When that happens, the city better look out. And I believe that. Amen. We're going to, at the end of service, we're going to baptize Brother Adam Garcia. I'm excited and looking forward to that. So stick around. You want to be a part of that. We're going to dismiss our children to their classes and the youth at this time. For your classes why don't you shake somebody's hand maybe you haven't got a chance to greet them yet before you're seated amen amen hallelujah praise god amen it's wonderful to see all of you here today Thank you for being here. I'll let you be seated. God bless our children and our young people. They ought to be in our prayers often. Amen. 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 The church of the living God. Amen. The church of the living God, that's who we are. The church, you know, the term church means not a building, not an address. It means a group of people, a group of people that are called out from the rest of the people. And that church, as we are, who we are, called out from the rest of the people, who it is that called us out is the living God. So to say that we are the church of the living God simply means we're the group of people that the living God called out. 
The scripture says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Amen. And I will receive you. Anybody want to be received by the Lord today? Amen. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Amen. Matthew, chapter 5. I'm just waiting on the Lord here. Amen. Matthew 5 and verse 48 is where I want to read from. It says, Be ye therefore, what's that word? Say it again. Be ye therefore perfect. Now, if I just said, okay, that's the word of God, you're dismissed, go home and be perfect, you would leave thinking, I don't know what just happened, but. The scripture says, be ye perfect, and be ye therefore perfect. So the therefore is actually a key word here because it lets us know because of something that was said, that way you can be perfect. Even as your Father which, in he- which is in heaven is perfect. It's not easy to stand up in front of a group of people and tell them that they're supposed to be perfect because you know automatically a bunch of people are going to think, that's not me, it doesn't apply to me. Well, thank the Lord that it doesn't apply to any of us if we're just talking about how good of a person can you be. That's not what we're talking about. But what the Scripture is saying is when you start to put some of these things in practice and in place in your life, you are going to start becoming something new, something different, something other than who you are as an individual. We call that, loosely we use that term, Christian. And I say loosely because I think a lot of people, when they say, I am a Christian, or he's a Christian, or she's a Christian, they really don't know necessarily what that means. We, we, can, we think of things, uh, what, what fits that description? How, would I look at so-and-so and just assume or know that they're a Christian? Because to, to be a Christian, really what it means is be like Christ. Christ-like is a Christian. So then my question would be, how many things do I have to do like him to be a Christian, to be like him? I don't know how many of you noticed this. Brother Matthew Mays, he's upstairs now, but he and I were kind of dressed similar today. Gray suit, coat, black pants. Uh, Would you say he's like me? Well... If you just looked at our pants and our coats, maybe. But I'll tell you what, I'd start to get worried if he moved out to my neighborhood, bought a car like the one that I have, had five kids, lived in the house next to me, and started combing his hair differently. I kind of started, hey, hang on. I'm okay with matching you at church every now and then. But what are you trying to be? What, who are you trying to become? That's kind of a silly example. But as we talk about being like Christ, and my question is, how many things do I have to do like he does to be considered a Christian or to be called like him? I tell you what, it takes more than one person standing up and quoting one verse for me to say, woohoo, there's a Christian. 
That person is like Christ because they read a Bible verse. Well, that's okay for a start. They're on the right track, I guess. But how many other things are they doing that are like Christ? Do they even care to be doing the other things like Christ? Or do they simply have a line drawn that says, if I can do this and this and this and this, then I, that's all I need to do. I've done what's required of me, and therefore I can say I am a Christian. I would dare say that the moment you draw that line and say this is enough is the moment you decided you are not a Christian. Because, I don't know. Who, who was it that told you that's enough and you don't have to do anything more? If that originated in your own thoughts, in your own mind, in your own spirit, then really what you are is a self-serving individual. I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to take my time and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody or rude to anybody. But if my point, if my goal is to be like Christ, well, I, I got about, I don't know, a thousand pages in a book over there that would tell me some of the stuff that he did. I might want to start there, and I might not want to stop. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't have that book memorized front to back, cover to cover, chapter by chapter by chapter. So when do I get to decide I know it enough? I've learned enough. I've read enough. I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I'm good. Never. Not until... I have reached perfection. And as the scripture says, be ye perfect. That is your command. That is your word from God. What he wants from you. Be ye perfect. In case you don't know, and if you've got an old school Bible with red letters, those, those letters are red. Aren't they? Because Jesus Christ said those words. Be ye perfect, even as whose father? Your father. Your father in heaven is perfect. I want to go back and I want to look. I'm going to... I'd love to take the time, and I'm not going to do it, to go through all the things that he says, even in just this one chapter. But jump back up to verse 43, and we're going to talk just a, a, a little piece of the puzzle that would make you perfect. A small little piece. And I would dare say if we started today on just this one piece and putting it into practice, we could spend the rest of our lives trying to perfect this one thing. So verse 43, he says, Ye have heard it, that in times past, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Okay, now if I said, I told you to be perfect, and I told you to love your enemies. Now you can go home. Now you got a lot to chew on there, don't you? <laughs> that gives me something to start with. I mean, I don't want you to start identifying who your enemies are. That's, I mean, you got to draw. you got to be careful. But if there was ever a person on the earth that had some enemies, it was Jesus Christ. He had people that did not want to see his life be better. I, I, I want to read you this, this uh, amplified version when it says to love. But I say unto you, love, that is, unselfishly seek the best or the higher good for your enemies. Oh, that's a hard pill to swallow right there unselfishly seek the best for them. 
We talked about this, when was this? I think it was Tuesday night. We talked a little bit about Judas and some of the things that he had to go through in his life and, and what he saw. Remember, he, the, the lady comes before Jesus and the disciples and she breaks open a, a jar and all this, this precious, valuable oil spills out of there. And Judas says, this is a waste of money. Don't you know we could take the money that all of this, we could sell this, turn it into cash. <laughs> I sound like an ad now, don't I? Turn it into cash. We could turn that into cash and give it to the poor. Now, if you didn't know any better, you might think, well, that's a nice thought. That's a, that's a kind thing for Judas to say and be thinking about. And maybe we can bless those that are less fortunate than others, than ourselves. But my question is, do you think Judas' uh, intent there is based out of love? Now that we know what love means. To unselfish, unselfish, everybody say unselfish. To unselfishly seek the best for someone else. Even if he cared about the poor and meeting the need, he still has to run it through that first check of, is this unselfish? Is it an unselfish act? Or does, does Judas want the other disciples to know that he's good with turning things into cash? And he's so generous to be thinking that he could... see. It, it, it's careful. It, it, you got to be careful. The Lord will always check your motive in things. He, that's what he does. He will see, here's an opportunity for you to do something. Why, did you, why would you want to do this? And if your motive is not pure, the act is not pure, the act then becomes unrighteous. Imagine being told that you're giving is unrighteous. That's probably the last thing that a preacher with half a brain would get up and tell anybody. <laughs> no. We want, we want all the money, righteously or unrighteously. As long as we can get it, oh, the Lord will sanctify it. Not if I care about what's best for you. Man, I don't want that. Don't put that on me. Jesus had enough insight, enough uh, foreknowledge to say, she's the only one right now that's ministering to me, that's serving me, that's doing something of value. He says she's preparing me for burial. Judas is thinking about money. The woman was thinking about serving the Lord. Which one of those acts is the unselfish kind of love that he's talking about? Now, don't you think that she would have known? I could turn this into cash. I don't even have to give it to the, It belongs to me. But it says she poured it out on the Lord. So he says here, love your enemies. You've heard it said before, you can love the ones that love you and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, the same way that you love the ones that you love, you have to love your enemies. That way. You have to share their good fortune, their good your, your, your thoughts, your... your <laughs> Can I give you a pet peeve for a little bit? And this is, not, this is, a, this is a, a break for your ears. A break for your spirit. Um, no, I'm not going to go there. That's too mean. See, I stop myself sometimes. You think, you know, he doesn't have any restraint. There you go. I showed you some restraint. Love... <laughs> thank you. Love your enemies. 
and pray for them that despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. Now, we're going to see it here in a minute, why Jesus could tell us all of this. But he says, bless them that curse you. Okay, who do I get to curse? Nobody. No, one more time. You don't get to curse anybody. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. Remember, we're talking about being perfect as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. If I can just do what he does, and I told you this is a small piece of the puzzle of what he does, who he is, then it helps me become a Christian. It helps me become more like him. Verse 45, it says, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. We, we want to make it as easy as we possibly can for everyone to live for God. By we, I just mean the, 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 the Christian church universally. Wants it, we, they, I'll say they. They want to make it so easy that all you have to do is pray a prayer, confess or profess that you believe that he's your savior, and whew, you made it. If... <laughs> This would be a fun little exercise. If we just added these verses that we're talking about and nothing else to that simple pray that prayer and then love your enemies. That alone would be enough to drive a whole lot of people away, wouldn't it? No, you can't ask me to do that. Uh, No, I I just want to pray the prayer and accept the Lord. What the Lord is doing is he's revealing some things right now about about those with unrighteous motive. Okay. Now he says... For he maketh, that you may be, verse 45, you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Why? How do I know that I'm like him in this way? For he maketh his son, S-U-N, that thing up in the sky, that belongs to him, in case you didn't catch that, his son. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. That sounds pretty elementary, but let me tell you what that means when I put it into practice myself. I make my son, my light, the light of my life, shine on everyone, the good and the evil. God doesn't get to wake up one day and decide, oh, I just want to keep that one person in darkness because they're so evil. They don't love me. They don't care about me. They're not returning any of the love that I've given to them. They don't even know who I am and how much I love. They don't know that I died for them. Maybe they do and they they don't care to acknowledge it. So I'm just not going to let them see the sun today. Does God do that? I don't know about you, but I've never woken up one day and Wait, I mean, if you visit Alaska, and I feel you, you're trying to make the, the exceptions. 
But the Lord says, I created this thing called the sun. It's mine. It's for my world and all the people in my world. So for me to decide, you get some sun and you don't. That goes against who the Lord is. <laughs> I like this. He, he, he goes so far back in his example because his instruction to us is love our enemies, pray for our enemies, bless the ones that curse us. And he knows that our human nature would try to make an exception or a reason or an excuse for why I don't have to be nice to just this one guy. I just don't, I love everybody, but that one person or that, <laughs> that one family or that, oh, you're going to get me in trouble, whoever you are. <laughs> uh, I love, I, I love everybody, but I, just this one individual, if you could allow me a little bit of wrath. Okay, you don't have to give me wrath. Give me a frown. Okay, you don't have to give me a frown. Just let me give them the cold shoulder. You're not even going to do that? No, because guess what? I cause my sun to shine on everyone. And if you, <laughs> you want to be like me, how do you get to pick and choose the ones that you're going to be a blessing to? Be nice to. Be friendly to. I'm not... We're, I'm not trying to make this so difficult and unattainable that nobody could ever do this or that you have to have some, some master's degree in theology to bless someone is not Ooh, bless thee my child no it means to do something that they like to be, another word for this is to be nice to them. To be friendly. I, I grew up in church singing songs about blessing the Lord. And I didn't know until just probably the last couple of years, if I'm being uh, generous to myself, I didn't know until that recently really what it means to bless the Lord. And then he gave me children and he let me know what are the things that they do that bless me and what are the things that they do that absolutely do not bless me. When I see my child being kind to their brother or their sister, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to... Brother Kelly's been doing some work upstairs. And thank you for that, Brother Kelly. Uh, my youngest son, Colin, uh, told me, that I told that man he's doing a good job painting. <laughs> I said, really? What? That doesn't sound anything like you. I mean, I, I, it's great, but you just, you're not that vocal usually to, to people that you're not super close with. I said, what did you say? He said, I told him, him's doing a good job. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, as a father, that blessed me. That my child would, would take a, he, could be, he didn't have to stop for however many seconds it took him to say that. He could just keep running and playing. But the fact that he would choose to go out of his way to do something nice or say something nice to somebody else blessed me as a father. So now I have to replay that for 30 years worth of Pentecostal church songs where I sing, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I can sing that all day, but I really don't know what it means until the Lord uses a situation like that to show me, here's something you can do that would bless me as your heavenly father. Be kind. Be nice. Be generous. Okay. I got that, that part down. Now, can I go over to 
someone that I really like. Well, yeah, you can do that. But if you really want to bless me, my child, bless those that curse you. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. That's who he is. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. This message, I would love for this message to be for everyone. I almost said it's not for everyone. It should be and it ought to be for everyone. But the ones that care to hear this type of a message are those that care to be more like Christ. Because when the Lord can ask, I wouldn't even say it's a rhetorical question, but when he can ask a question that says, if you're just doing this, what more do you have than someone else? Then I get to peel that back and say, I don't care if I have anything more than anybody else. That's a, that's a dangerous place to be. I, 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 why, why would I need more than what the, what the publicans have, what the Gentiles have? Well, you don't, except you need me. The father would say, you, the only thing that, oh man, this is what Brother Matthew was saying at the beginning. The thing that separates you from all of them is my presence, my spirit. So, do you really want to ask me, why do I need more? Why do I need to do more? Why should I do this thing that's called going above and beyond? That's what Jesus was trying to tell the people here. Your Father, which is in heaven. Is everybody doing okay? I haven't made anybody mad yet. Good, because we're, we're not done. Your father doesn't get to choose based on race, who he likes. Your father doesn't get to choose based on social status, who he allows to see the sun that day. He, he doesn't get to choose based on any factor about a person. The worst person. The scripture says the evil, the good and the evil. The person that would flat out blaspheme the Lord and curse him to his face. That person gets the same. I thought about this. Oh, man, I thought about this. The scripture that says, he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. I, all my whole, my whole life, I've heard that and I've thought, oh, I'm having a rainy pity party kind of a day, but I'm going to get through it because I know he does the same thing to the, to the just and the unjust. But when I think of it in these terms, just like he causes the sun to shine on those that are good and evil, because he knows we need the sun. 
he also causes it to rain on the good and the evil because he knows we all need the sun and the rain. We're going to preach a Yakima Valley message here for just a minute. Agriculture touches this, uh, everybody's life in this room in one way or another. Some of us very directly. Is it not right for us to just say, Lord, only give the good farmers the rain. Only send the, the sun and the rain to my plot of land because I am just. Because I am good. And you know how terrible my neighbor is. You know all the things they're into and what they're allowing. And Man, why don't you just show, prove how great you are, God. By, I don't, you, you pick which day it is, August the 1st. Just let the sun shine on my farm. Let the rain fall on my farm. And the Lord is thinking, no can do, partner. That's not who I am. Because I'm not looking at if you're a good person or a bad person. If you're evil or good. If you're just or unjust to determine who I am. And what I do. So he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Why don't you stand with me? I'm getting ready to come to a close here. Now, first of all, I'm thankful that that's my father. Because I know I have had days where I would fall in the other category than where I would like to be. And I'm thankful that my father didn't choose to make an example out of me by withholding his son and his reign from my life when I was unjust. I'm thankful that that's my father. Once we have received that love from that father, and, and we need it all the time. I'm not saying this as in a, in a, in a um, stage one, stage one, stage two type of a thing. I always need his love. I always need it. And I need the daily reminder. When the Lord said, and, and he, he exampled a type of prayer to us, he started by saying, pray this, our father. He's our father. And I never need to excuse that role and my recognition of that role and of who he is from my prayer and from my life. But that's the start Because my goal is to become like him. Every eye closed for just a moment. My goal is to become like him. I believe that is the prayer of this church today. That is your prayer today. I want to be like you. It's a desire of my heart. I know it's a mandate from the scripture. It's a mandate from the scripture. But it's, and even more than that, it's a desire of my heart. Can we pray? I'm encouraging you to pray to your Father. Let Him lead you in your prayer. Be honest and open with the Lord. Come on, let's pray.
I'm opening these altars right now if you'd like to come to the front and pray but I I encourage you to pray and talk to your father be like you. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want your nature to be formed in us. Your character to be formed in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. We need the Holy Ghost 
in order to be like Jesus. We have to have the Holy Ghost to be like Jesus. The scripture gives example after example of those who received the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. And every single one of them, it was something that happened to them after they were born naturally. So now uh, you're not born with the Holy Ghost. That's what Scripture bears out. It's one point, at one point, he, it says he breathed on his disciples and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. They were born naturally of a woman just the same as you and I were. So the reason why I say that is there was nothing inherently good about them that does not apply to you or to me. And the same goes for every single other person in Scripture to receive the Holy Ghost. And every time we read it in Scripture, there is a sign that they have received the Holy Ghost. There's a sign. Does anybody want to take a guess at what that sign is? Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That is the sign that that individual has received the Holy Ghost. That's the Scripture. It still applies today. I'm going to say one more thing. Actually, why don't you go ahead and be seated. I'm done preaching, but I'm not done talking. Now, I'm going to be practical with you for a little bit. I said some of this in our meeting in the prayer room before service. I'm, uh, I, my hesitancy is to even give um, attention to what's going on in the news but this virus that's taking place in the world right now my initial thought about this and my feeling is there is no place for fear In any of us. Now that does not only apply to this, but it does apply to this. Okay? There is not a place for fear in that regard. When the scripture says, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, that applies to anything that might give you fear. Okay? I'm, I, I told you I'm, I was done preaching, but I'm not done talking. Furthermore, in the church, nothing is going to stop the work of the church. Nothing is going to stop the will of God from being done. And we know that it is his will to use his church to reach the world. I'm going to say that one more time. It's his will to use the church to reach the world. Nothing is going to stop that. Nothing is going to change that. We do exercise wisdom. We do exercise caution. It's a part of who you are made up from the Lord. He gave you a brain just like he gave you the fingers on your hands. Okay? So we exercise our wisdom. But I'm just telling you, nothing is going to stop the church. I, I, I didn't want to say this. I didn't even want to bring it up today. But I, I need you to know. I don't know what's going to happen this week. Maybe they're all going to get healed and it's going to go away. We won't hear that word anymore. 
Or maybe it's going to continue the trend that it's on right now. I don't know. And it's not for me to know what's going to happen. What's for me to know is the truth, the eternal truth, which is in the word of God. Okay? Now, that's the reason why I, want, I am taking the time to say this today is because I need all of us to know, regardless of what happens today, this week, before I get a chance to speak to you again, or six months from now, regardless of what happens, we need to know God's not given us a spirit of fear. There is no place for fear in your life. And... Nothing is going to stop the church. Okay? Amen. Why don't we stand? Uh, Brother Manuel, if you want to help Brother Adam get ready for this baptism. We're excited about that. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for your spirit And we're thankful for the power of your spirit that resides in us. Jesus, we pray, oh God, continue to use this church. Continue to use each one of us individually. God, I pray that this week you would lead us into opportunities to witness. Lead us into opportunities, God, to share your word, to share the hope that we have that rests and abides in you. Use us this week, I pray, God. Let your words abide in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. We're going to have this baptism. So feel free to hang around for that. Remember Tuesday night.